Welcome to the Masters of Automation podcast series with Ian Barkin, the Grand Master of Intelligent Automation. Ian, uh, welcome. Help, it is a pleasure to be here. And uh, for anyone listening, I, I didn't suggest Grand Master as a title. So Help came up with that. Thank you. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yes, yes, it's a great title. So <laughs> uh, along with Grandmaster, uh, you are you're the co-author of Intelligent Automation book. You are a thought leader and educator of the uh, RPA classes on LinkedIn. Um, you're an investor and advisor of many startups. And I've seen just yesterday, I think, Scanned AI announcement as well. Um, so you're you're part of the entire future of work ecosystem that is building and developing, and also you you are the co-founder of Symphony Ventures, my uh, the first company that I joined as an RPA consultant as a sixth employee, and it's it's been a great time. All of those things are true, um, and and it's been an amazing journey. Uh, just so much fun to 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 play some small part in an evolution of how enterprises do what they do has been energizing, has been a lot of fun. So, and thank you for being part of the symphony story, because I think we, uh, I think all of us symphonites who um, had a chance to, to spend any time there um, felt how special it was, how lucky we were to, to be in the group and the family that we were in, um, addressing the challenges, working with the clients and being on the journey we were on together. It, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's some of my, my greatest memories from my career and it's all downhill from there. Everything else. No, just kidding. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully everyone is, is enjoying themselves and, and, and we all do great things throughout our career. And, and I think that's one, one area of it is that the, the skill and the talent at Symphony Groove and now everyone is scattered around there are so many companies as part of the future of work ecosystem it's very impressive and amazing to actually look back and see how everything changed we were early um we we stood on shoulders of of friends and giants uh there were uh virtual ops and gen 4 preceded us by um a little bit a year and sort of two years i think but remained friends of ours. Um, some folks who worked for them ended up working for us and then vice versa. Some folks who work for us now work for, for one of them that, uh, that's still in business. But there really has been this interesting diaspora, as you say, of, of folks who, who have spread out and are contributing their knowledge and experience um, far and wide to, to other um, software startups, to other services firms. So, uh, so yeah, no, it's a fun space. And, and where is it going next? I don't know. I think one of the challenges is we've, um, we've, we've created a situation for ourselves that we now have to lay in and figure out, which was, um, there was an, there was a message in the market that, that, that sort of got the wheels turning, but it was around simplicity and ease of use and speed of implementation. That wasn't ever necessarily true, but sounded great. <laughs> so now we contend with that where, um, where digital transformation is a heck of a lot harder than people um, thought it might be. It's why so many have failed. Um, and so it's, it's why talent and really robust commitment to skill development and training and onboarding 
is uh, the foundation for anybody who's trying to get into the space, any enterprise or consultancy that's trying to be great at what they do. Um, you really do need to emphasize talent first, tool second. So that, that the people comes first and then the technology, like in our organizations. But if, if we set the clocks back now and then think about your first uh, times hearing about RPA and the words of process automation, um, how, how, how did you get started at RPA and process automation? Yeah. Um, so a lot of RPA originated from it, it, it solved a problem or it emulated services that were already being delivered in a different manner with a different mechanism. So my career before RPA was in BPO, was in business process outsourcing. And BPO is simply tapping into talent uh, outside of an organization's walls. So it's tapping into talent. Um, BPO is most characterized with talent that is outside not only of your walls, but outside of your of your region. So it's it's finding people near shore or offshore. Uh, near shore meaning closer to you, usually for time zone or or language neutrality purposes. Um, so so folks in like Latin America uh, or offshore folks in India or the Philippines, et cetera. So BPO was tapping into that talent and leveraging that talent to to conduct transactional mundane routine tasks that were imperative to the functioning of any business. And then RPA came along. So I was in the BPO space. So I was, I was solutioning and designing and delivering large outsourcing contracts. And in 2012, the concept of RPA was, 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 was not introduced, but it sort of, it, it appeared, it had been around for a little while, but it was given a new name, RPA. So robotic process automation, um, which, you know, it's always important, arose by any other name. Um, a, a, an automation suite of configurable tools by any other name um, would probably not have taken off as fast as, as RPA did. And so we started playing with it because it emulated that which we were already doing. It was a means of, of conducting routine mundane transactional processes um, that, that in some cases augmented the offshore labor and in some cases uh, alleviated the need for offshore labor. And that's how I got into RPA is I was, I was in BPO, I was in the right place at the right time and learned about RPA and then found some clients that we were already delivering for where we could uh, take a look at how we might supplement the traditional forms of delivery with this new, exciting, shiny, robotic form of delivery. And, uh, and it worked. So that was back in 2012. And then by 2014, we, we believed so strongly that it worked that we took the leap, we being the, the, the founders of Symphony in this case. Uh, but again, as I said, uh, in, a, in a peer group of other founders who also had the same belief and had the same commitment and had the same ability to, to take a risk and take a leap. And we started Symphony and the rest is history. Um, a, a lot of other people have taken that leap since there are a lot of great RPA peer play boutique consultancies of, of folks who come from the same sort of origin story, but now see the, the power that automation can play in developing alternative delivery solution models. Yeah. 
And it's very interesting that it's it started as the back office automation for the BPO and then the large processes and to to help them maybe bring with efficiency, find non-compliant tasks, be more standardized. And now the, the, the narrative is more like the future of work technologies is the broader umbrella of that has citizen development, that has the front office with call center agents interacting with automation, with RPA, where we are launching bots and analytics running on the background and, and measuring the, all, all, all the value for the yeah. business. Um, um, so so what, what made you passionate about the future of work technologies throughout this journey and, and what inspired to continuously uh, work on it and then participate in it? Yeah, it's interesting. Um... What made me passionate about it early on is different than what keeps me passionate about it now. What made me passionate about it early on was that it was innovation, that it was the application of technology to to do things in a different, exciting, modern way. And not to say that I didn't enjoy traveling all over the world and getting to know teams in India and Guatemala and Brazil and the Philippines and China, et cetera. That was awesome. That was one of the greatest elements of, of my career back when, when I was on planes all the time. But the ability to augment and emulate with some sort of software technology was really exciting. It, the shiny thing was, was the thing that, that got me really excited. In my, in my sort of older age, um, having done this for a while with folks like yourself and everyone else at Symphony and everyone else at all the other peer plays and everyone else in the client teams that we work so closely with uh, and the vendors as well, is what keeps me energized about this space are the people in it. Um, because because as, as you related, RPA as a technology was interesting, but RPA as a, this is sort of an old phrase, but as a paradigm shift, as an archetype for continuous improvement and for humans striving to matter, to to actually have a purpose. That's what's so amazing about this space because that's what people really wanted. That's what, that, that's, that is the origin story of citizen development. Citizen development is partly people wanting to, wanting to develop modern future-proof skills so as to ensure long-term career stability and upward growth potential, eh, sort of. But it's mostly that just software is eating the world and these people are told that they're transactional business folks and that what's really going on is, is technology, digital transformation and innovation it makes you feel like you're left out. And so citizen developers want to just matter. They just want to bring to the table their understanding implicitly of process, of of the company strategy, of the needs of their clients or customers. They want to bring that to the table. And the only way to do that these days is to, to also come with some sort of inherent understanding of how technology is supplementing the way that we've traditionally done things. Uh, and so it's it's that it's it's that's what keeps me really excited and and engaged in this industry is all of these people who who want to matter and who want to bring their purpose and their vision to these design discussions and customer care discussions and delivery operations uh, and it's it's why i i'm I'm so lucky to to be able to 
to have played some small part in the learning journey that so many have gone on. And so many hundreds of thousands have taken the courses I've put out. And I, I, I'm really proud of that and, and blessed that they, they gave me a few minutes to drone on to them about what it is I've learned over my journey. Uh, and I'm just so thrilled to, to be some small part of, of theirs. And that's very inspirational. It's very inspirational because uh, people, as, as they, like you said, as they look into their jobs, they need to supplement it with technology to be better. To, to still continuously matter and stay relevant. So as, as, as we think about it, the, the, the people is at the core of this, right? Like if, if they're able to adapt to the current environment and able to pick up the skill set that's needed uh, with AI, automation, low-code, no-code uh, interfaces, they'll be able to better innovate the companies that they're in and then change the work that they're doing. And then that that creates more space, more opportunities, more products. So as as this continues to evolve, uh, what what do you think is is like coming next in in the future of workspace? And and I know you early on you mentioned the space is very noisy with complex views and simplification is required. So we can open open that a little bit. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself here, but it it really is too confusing at this point. And the reason it's too confusing is because um, there's a lot of energy and a lot of excitement and a lot of money and a lot of innovation and entrepreneurship in the space, which makes for a lot of vendors, which makes for a lot of messages. And most vendors feel the need to have their own name for things. So you end up with all sorts of different uh, just acronyms. brands, yeah, acronyms, uh, just a nomenclature that is, is people are trying to control and own a market by having the next best name for document process, or actually next best name for character recognition or voice recognition or just machine learning or, or process automation. And so that just makes it really hard for anybody who's newer to this space and just as hard for anybody who's old in this space to, to discern what it is that's actually happening. And so I don't think complexity makes things better. And in fact, I think it, it makes them worse. Um, you know, over time, this is sort of a, this is a Darwinistic thing. Over time, there will be fewer than there are today, just because not every one of, of these organizations can survive. So some will be purchased and integrated. Some will be rolled up. Some will just cease to exist. So that'll, that'll simplify the landscape a little bit. But what's next um, procedure all about how you get your teams upskilled and knowledgeable, all about how you choose a focus point is your focus point using as many cool tools as possible or is your focus point making customer pain go away forever and create proactive predictive customer delight because you just start to do things well and design things well for for good outcomes if you think about it then if for the widespread adoption of these products the barriers to entry to learn them should be lower so that people can quickly grasp it and quickly apply it to their lives, but also the product needs to be good so that we it, it executes well. That's... You also have to you have to understand the needs and and the the capabilities of your end 
um, audience, not even market or customer, but audience. Most users just want stuff to work. I just want it to get me from point A to point B, and I want it to be enjoyable. And I feel that's the same with any of these uh, future of work technologies is it just has to work and has to work seamlessly. And, and then it, it works the best if I don't even know it's working. Yes. Yeah. So there's the simplification of why, how they're used should be, should be out there. It should be right. very quick to grasp, very quick to adopt and mm -hmm. use. And then I wish we had more time to, to speak since we're almost out <laughs> at the clock. No, I'd, I'd, I'd be thrilled to come. I mean, always love chatting with you. And, and kudos to you for, for pulling this together. You've always been passionate about sharing your experiences with the market. And I love that you've got this, um, this voice and this channel to, to do that now. So I'm really excited for you. Wish you the best of luck with it and would always be um, happy to come back as, as a guest in, in future episodes. Yeah, thank you very much. And I'd love to have you as a guest again and in the episodes. And I appreciate you taking the time and discussing the, the future of work.